I want to read, if you've got your Bibles, um, please turn to the Gospel of Mark. Uh, Mark chapter 4. Uh, Jesus is speaking to the crowds. His disciples are gathered around him. The disciples are struggling uh, in their own heads and hearts with some of the teaching of their master. They haven't quite made up their mind about the kingdom of God, when it's going to be, what it's going to be like. But Jesus is teaching through the parables, truths to do with that kingdom. I want to break in at verse 23 of chapter 4 of the Gospel of Mark. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. Jesus also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed in the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces corn. First the stalk, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. Again, Jesus said, What shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed. Which is the smallest seed you plant in the ground? Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants, with such big branches that the birds of the air can perch in its shade. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as truth, as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. But when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything. The kingdom of God is like. What is the kingdom of God like? Three words. There's no uh, PowerPoint this morning, but three words that I would like you to frame the uh, message around this morning. Responsibility, potential, provision, and then responsibility again. Three words. Responsibility, potential, provision. Responsibility. If you look at your Bibles, you'll see in verse 9, Jesus says this, following the first parable, the major parable about the sower of the seed. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And then in verse 23, following another parable, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And then these words, consider carefully what you hear. Everyone who hears the word of God is privileged. And no more so than when the teacher is the very son of God. The word made flesh, the promised Messiah of the Old Testament, the seed 
that was spoken of from the very beginning of Genesis had become the full and growing plant, the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus here is seeking to awaken in his listeners that these parables are pointing to him and the kingdom of God that his coming has initiated in the world. So this is key truth. This is essential truth for the listener, for the hearer. God is looking for a response when he speaks. Same as when we are speaking to our children or we're, we're speaking in a teaching context, we're looking for a response, an intelligent, thoughtful response. God is no different. And it is clear here in those verses 24 to 25 that everyone will be called to account as to what they have done with what they have heard. One writer put it like this. Jesus, in speaking to those who believe in particular, is looking for a serious, persistent, perceptive faith. Are we those this morning who have a serious, persistent, and perceptive faith? Do we have a hunger for the word of God? Do we take each day seriously as a day of God's grace towards us? And do we present ourselves in such a way that we are listening out for his voice through his word, through his spirit, and through those that he would use, whether in post personal devotion or on a Sunday morning like this? You see, Jesus here teaches through the use of the natural world. Those principles that his listeners could easily relate to. And what he desires is that they apply the principles of the natural world to the spiritual world. Because such is the kingdom of God. He is the Lord of both. He is the Lord of nature. He is the Lord of the spiritual. And today Jesus looks for us to relate to his word in a responsible way. He desires that we listen with expectant minds and hearts whereby we intentionally leave this place to be doers of the truth. James teaches us that it is not enough to hear. It is not enough to indulge oneself in the word. But that we are to partake of that word in a way that it brings and produces a change of mind, a change of heart, and maybe a change of practice. I have here a hymn that maybe some of you know, and I'm going to use it as a prayer at this point. And if you want to, please pray with me. And where you feel it is appropriate, just within your own heart and mind, just say amen to the Lord. I just want us to pray. Speak, O Lord, as we come to you, to receive the food of your holy word. Take your truth. Planted deep in us, shape and fashion us in your likeness, that the light of Christ might be seen today in our acts of love and our deeds of faith. Speak, O Lord, and fulfill in us all your purposes.
for your glory. Teach us, Lord, full obedience, holy reverence, true humility. Test our thoughts and our attitudes in the radiance of your purity. Cause our faith to rise. Cause our eyes to see your majestic love and authority. Words of power that can never fail. Let their truth prevail over unbelief. Speak, O Lord, and renew our minds. Help us grasp the heights of your plans for us. Truths unchanged from the dawn of time that will echo down through eternity and by grace will stand on your promises and by faith will walk as you walk with us. Speak, O Lord, till your church is built and the earth is filled with your glory. Responsibility. Responsibility to listen. Responsibility to think responsibility to apply what Jesus teaches us. Second, potential. I chose simply the, the uh, sunflower because it's a, a seed that you can see and it also serves certain other purposes but it's unbelievable when you take just a little seed Like that there. I mean, most of you can see that. I've picked the black one. It's small. It looks quite insignificant. And yet, when it is planted, it produces something beautiful and something practical. A seed has got unbelievable potential. It may look insignificant, but it has about it something that is both beautiful and practical in its outworking. Jesus tells us that the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. Those listening would have immediately had this picture in their mind's eye of this quite, quite insignificant seed. It wasn't, in fact, the smallest. But Jesus chose it here Because of the proportion between its smallness as a seed and the greatness of the plant when it is full grown. The mustard seed, when it comes to its fullness, is four meters high. That is over 12 feet. That's twice the size of me. It's some plant to have in your garden. Jesus, don't forget, was talking to the crowds, as well as to his disciples. And with this parable, he is desiring to encourage them regarding the kingdom of God. They've been asking pertinent questions of Jesus about the parables he's taught so far. And they've been uncertain and concerned, and especially about the part that they might be playing in it. And what Jesus is wanting them to begin to grasp and the people that are there is he, do, he wants them to be starting to think not with their limited fallen minds but to start to think with the mind of Christ. Do you not find that that is a most unbelievable thought that always sitting here in front of me has the mind of Christ. 
that Billy, Johnny, Linda, we have the mind of the eternal God. That is an amazing truth. That is an astounding truth. That is a truth that should transform the way we think and the way we go about our lives on a daily business. No matter who we are, no matter what we're about, whether we're businessmen, whether we're grandparents, whether we're students, it should transform the way we see life and the part we have to play in it. We have the mind of Christ. And Jesus here is starting to nurture within the disciples the capacity that we have when we think as he thinks and we plan as he plans. The kingdom of God might be starting out looking small, weak, despised and insignificant, but the final outcome will be a glorious and awesome one. From that little insignificant seed to this 12-meter bush. And Jesus is simply saying, God takes the insignificant, the small, the weak, the despised, and he, when we cooperate with him, is able to bring something so beautiful and amazing out of life. Think for a moment of how our Bible teaches that Jesus is God the Father's holy seed. He's the grain of mustard seed. And what will that mustard seed do? What will happen to this specific mustard seed that gives birth to all the other seeds in the world today and down through history? What will this seed do? You know the answer. But I read it to you in the Gospel of John, in chapter 12. Jesus is in Jerusalem and says this. Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I tell you the truth, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. The man or the woman who loves his or her life will lose it. Whilst the man or woman who hates his or her life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, my servant also will be. My father will honor the one who serves me. The seed was about to fall into the ground and die. All of us here know the background to the Son of God in the sense of the life that he lived. He grew up in a part of Israel that the city influentials looked down upon. He labored as a carpenter in Galilee backwaters and didn't appear in public until his 30th year. He taught for two to three years in the towns and villages. He only visited Jerusalem now and then. A few people came to know him personally as Lord and Savior whilst he walked upon the earth. And they largely came from the poor and the unlearned. He easily got taken into custody by his enemies and he died a horrendous death on a cursed tree and was buried in another man's grave. And yet you and I sit here today as products, as seeds of this unbelievable man and his death. A commentator called R.C. Trench writes, 
Such and so slight was the commencement of the universal kingdom of God. The great schemes of this world might have a proud beginning, but their end is miserable, like the towers of Babel. But the works of God, most of all his church, have a slight beginning with a gradual increase and a glorious consumption. There is a hidden potential within the kingdom of God that God realizes in the world through his church. And then R.C. Trench adds this, and so it is with his kingdom also in every single heart. The responsibility, the unseen potential. That unseen potential lies in every single one of us this morning who declares that we are disciples of Jesus. That potential lay within the heart and mind of every one of the 12 disciples that sat at Jesus' feet in these days. Days when they were confused. Days when they were fearful. Days when they really couldn't grasp the enormity of what was happening in their midst. And Jesus comes to you and I this morning again. And he wants us to realize the unbelievable potential that is in every single child of God here this morning. And he would ask you this morning, is that potential being released? Is that potential having an impact on your marriage, on your family, on your community, on your workmates, or your fellow students, or, or where you have your hobbies and your interests, is the reality of the indwelling Holy Spirit in you and I having an impact in the world around us? Are we bringing to it a divine presence? The potential that was in Jesus Christ, the very Son of God, only broke forth when he was prepared to go to Calvary and to die in your place and mine. This potential, as he says in this verse, takes place when you and I yield, surrender ourselves totally into the hands of God. I'll just read you these verses again. Because they lie at the very heart of what Jesus wants us to recognize. I tell you the truth. Unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. I don't know how many of you like to garden or you've ever been near anybody who's uh, been digging up spuds. remember the first time my dad introduced me to garden against my will. But... Uh, I remember digging one day the potatoes with him and uh, just with an ordinary garden fork I dug out this one head of potato and I lifted it up and there were 12 potatoes on that one head. But at the very heart of that plant was a brown, rotten, 
soggy thing. It was the seed potato. The seed potato had been placed in the ground. The seed potato had died in the ground. And there came forth life. And God is saying to us this morning, the potential that you and I have to ensure the building of the kingdom of God in the world today is available in every single one of us if we are prepared to die to me. There's a lovely little chorus which I sometimes sing to myself when I'm wrestling with the flesh and with the spirit. Jesus, take me as I am. I can come no other way. Take me deeper into you. Make my flesh life melt away. Make me like a precious stone, crystal clear and finely honed. Life of Jesus shining through, giving glory back to you. Could that be a chorus you might pray today? Maybe even now. Maybe when you're out later in your own thinking through the truth. I promise you, I promise you with hope that I know of that if you pray that prayer, Jesus will work. And the potential that we're talking about will be released through your life. And it will be in diverse ways. Because that's the way God works. And what is the outcome? Provision. The outcome is provision. Jesus says in that parable that this little seed grows up to be a mighty tree in which the birds come and roost in. Now there's different understandings of this, but when that was said to the Jews that were around about him that day, they would immediately have thought of uh, Ezekiel 17, Daniel 4. And they would have thought of those uh, illustrations of trees. And it would have been pointing to the Gentile nation. Uh, being impacted by God. And what, God, what Jesus is saying here to us is that when this tree, and the tree really is the church, it's the body of Christ, and you and I are the body of Christ, we are the, the living seed within this growing uh, body in the world today, that that will reach out beyond Judaism, it'll reach out beyond Israel, it'll reach out beyond the Middle East, it'll spread into all the world, and it'll bring meaning and purpose and life to people of all tribes and people of all nations. And that's just what the church has done. Because those 12 men, beyond the cross, understood this principle that if there's to be life in all its fullness, if the potential is to be released, there must be death. And there must be resurrection. And then God works through his spirit to bless and to bring about. Responsibility is with you and I for the potential to be released and for the provision to be brought to others. Does your life, does my life, 
Does your home, does my home, does your work, does my work, do, do my interests and my hobbies, do they provide for the people that I am rubbing shoulders with day in and day out, week in and week out, do, they, do I provide for them a window into the kingdom of God? Is there something about my work ethic? Is there something about my kindness? Is there something about my generosity that says to people, this person is different? This person has a value and a purpose that I want but don't have. Are we living according to the principles of the kingdom of God? This beautiful sunflower is in our garden. It brings color. It brings height. It brings the bees. It brings the birds. It has a purpose. It is a provider in so many different ways for the environment in which it grows. And you and I are to be exactly the same wherever God has planted us in our world today. You and I have a responsibility to provide people, needy people, desperate people with an answer to life. We don't have to be a missionary. We don't have to be a preacher. We just have to make ourselves available to Jesus. Paul says, I am crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me and the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What enabled the church to grow was the fact that these men died to self. But also, they were obedient to their call. They were obedient to their call. Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey me. I wonder, is there anyone here today and you're living your Christian life in such a way that it's lost its power. It's lost its joy. It's lost its productivity. Is it possible that you are not obeying your call? Because every single believer has a call. Do we know what that call is? Are we seeking to hear from the Lord Jesus Christ on a daily basis, what he would have us do, where he would have us be, because he wants to be at the very heart of it all. I close with these thoughts. Think of Abraham, that pagan man whom God placed his hand upon way back at the start of man's history. One man, one woman, now he messed up a wee bit. We all mess up. But God is merciful and gracious. But from that, from that one man came a boy called Isaac. Do you remember the day that Abraham took his son up into the mountain and was prepared to sacrifice the thing he loved most on this earth because God asked him to? And God stepped in and said no. It had been a test of his relationship with his God. God 
tests our love. And it may well be that there's some of you here today and you're holding on to something or someone or some ambition or some desire and God may step in and he may ask you to give up something very precious and something very dear. He may test you to see are you prepared to fulfill his purposes, whatever the cost. Abraham was the beginning of the kingdom of God being birthed through Jesus Christ. What a story. His, 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 his children filled the universe more than the stars in the Milky Way, we're told. These 12 men have brought about the modern day church through their faithfulness. But I want to bring it just home to us as a close. Arthur is sitting at the back. Arthur Williamson. Now, Arthur and some others heard God's voice many years ago. And they were given a vision, a dream, a seed of thought was planted in their hearts. They talked, they met, they prayed. And Mount Sandal Christian Fellowship came into being just over 20 years ago. A single thought, one or two people, and a fellowship was birthed. I want to think of the community garden out there. George and Lorena and Joanna and others. A single thought, a conversation. It began to take shape, but they felt it was of God. And lo, we have something that is so beautiful, that is contributing to the community and to our own well-being. I could give you thousands of stories of where ordinary people have heard the voice of God have made the sacrifices. And lo and behold, something beautiful has grown and matured and it has brought provision to others in one form or another. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed that when planted in the ground and it dies, it brings something out of all of that that is beautiful and good and provides for others. Our responsibility is to be obedient to what God is saying to us individually. And just like that man said, Jesus this morning is looking for something from you and I, a serious, persistent, and perceptive faith. May that be something that we work out with our Lord afresh today. Amen. Thank you, Alistair, uh, for your...